Hi, this is Julie Fudge-Smith, and just a quick note at the beginning. At some point while Tina and I were recording, I didn't realize that the sound on my end kind of got messed up, and I sound a bit like I'm recording from inside of a tunnel or a culvert or a very large conference room. So I apologize for the quality of the sound. I've engineered it the best of my ability. Can't seem to get rid of it. So hopefully the content will outweigh the quality, but hope you enjoy it anyway. And thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith and I'm here with Tina Spring. And today we're going to talk about how owners can help their dogs learn to be separate from them. It's a really important skill to learn because there's going to be times when your dog can't go with you. And as we head back into reopening society, our dogs are going to be left alone a little uh, more often. And how do we help them be happy with that situation? So, Tina, why do you think it's important for dogs to learn to be separate even when we're in the house? Well, just like we have to teach our children how to go to school or stay overnight with grandma and grandpa or go on a sleepover or go to camp or any of those things, being slightly separated from us, just like our children have to learn that, our our animals have to learn that too. They simply cannot always be with us. Uh, and I know I'm dealing with some families who have not left a dog alone in the entire time that they've had them. And while I guess for me, some of it becomes they got a dog to help them through the pandemic and in the process somehow, maybe because of just the chronic stress of dealing with COVID-19 and all of the assorted nuttiness that goes with that, they haven't prepared the dog for life after that. So I often see this in the past. I've seen this where families are like home on a medical leave or on an adoption leave or something like that, where they take the dog who at this is a little bit different scenario, but you know, the dog that was used to being home alone during the day while everyone was at work at school And now mom's home for eight weeks with a new baby and they the the dog's schedule completely goes out the window and it's used to being with mom every day, all day. And then mom wants to go back to work and it's really hard on the dog. So I think the good news is that, you know, as people who do family paws, we're in a good position to coach people through how to kind of softly do this. I don't, I think lots of people put off the unpleasant and they view this as distressing work for their dog. And so then that pushes us to a place where we just don't do it. And then one day you're going to go to work and your dog may really, really struggle and not understand that and understandably so. So I think starting with just slight separation, um, can the dog be on a leash tied to the treadmill next to your desk while you're sitting and working. And then when you get up and go to the restroom, can you, or fill your cup of coffee, can you, like, can the dog handle not following you to the restroom or not following you into the kitchen? 
and trying to really softly introduce the idea that you're not always going to be with me. Then moving on to bigger separations. Maybe you take your family for a walk and you leave the dog home. Um, I think those things can be very helpful to a family to really just softly introduce this idea of you're not always going to be with me. I agree. I agree. And I would do things like that. Like, for example, Zuzu in the morning seemed to feel like she had to go into the bathroom with me. And it was like, Zoo, seriously? So I would say, okay, it's fine. Hi, good morning. You wait here. I'll be right back out. And um, at first she kind of looked at me like, seriously, mom, I'm supposed to go in the bathroom with you. But, you know, it, I'm not in there that long. And she did just fine. So I think sometimes when you try little things like that, you might find you more successful than you think. And that should hopefully boost your confidence. The other thing I have found that is helpful is to vary the time. Not To begin, not a lot. I mean, you're right. The first one is maybe like, okay, you're tethered to my desk or a treadmill or whatever. Why I go to the bathroom and come back? Or I go to the bathroom and you have to stay on the other side of the door when I, and then I'll come back out. Um, but start to vary the time a little bit. Maybe it's first I just go to the bathroom. Maybe, maybe you can start with just, I leave the room and come back in. So it can be really short, just a second or two. And then as I go to the bathroom, then maybe I go to the bathroom and get a cup of coffee. So that the more you vary the time, the dog is not sort of ticking off one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, she should reappear. So I think that that's also helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, when doing this work, I tried it. There are some tools that really help. So, you know, we all talk about Kongs and topples and no hides and bully sticks and kind of that, that typical array of things. But I also, I often think like, don't make your greeting and departure a bigger, like don't make it such a big deal. Right. I do that too. I tell people, you know, when I come in, it's like, hi dogs. Let me put my stuff down. I don't even say hello to them. I don't say hello to them for like 30 minutes. I come in, I use the restroom. I change my clothes. You know, I, I'm going to, you know, I don't know move bread from the rising stage to the baking stage. I just, I, there's a little bit, and it probably sounds weird. There's a little bit of bore them, like be boring. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like my, my dogs do not get my constant attention all day long. Frankly, my days are too long for that. Like we, it doesn't work that way. So, um, so like I don't entertain my kids, I don't tend to entertain my dogs. Like they have toys to play with and they have enriching experiences, but most of the day they are left to be dogs and our dogs sleep a great deal. We've talked about that a lot. So um, Marco, for example, is probably my greatest triumph because he would have liked to have been in my mouth all day, every day, given the opportunity. He would still like that very much. Thank you. And so the way I started teaching him was a short leash tied to my filing cabinet with a dog bed and a water buffalo horn for him to chew on. And it's on the other side of the room. It's not right next to my desk. And in the beginning, he stood there for two hours. And eventually he decided to lie down. And when he lied down, then I told him, like, that's quietly, like, what a nice dog he was, which eventually made him get back up again. But now, as soon as I walk into my office, he curls up on that bed and he goes to sleep. And he stays there, unless he has to potty, 
until, you know, I'm done in the office. So I think of it as how do I teach my dog? Okay, y'all, this is a big moment. So Julie and I had a problem this week that we couldn't record in our normal day and time. So you are listening. If we sound flat, well, Julie's perfect because she's probably one of those horrible morning people. But I forgot it's Saturday. I don't work on Saturday. No one's ever to ask me to work on Saturday ever again. I'm not doing it. This is why I don't do it. Um, but I didn't have coffee before we started this call. And Christopher just brought me the nectar of the gods. It, 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 I feel the same way. It's kind of like the, you know, it's like, okay, I'll let you out and, and, and make you breakfast. But you have to understand what a sacrifice that is for me because I really, what I really want to do is make my coffee before I do anything else. So I, I completely understand that. Like the, the coffee, the, the caffeine to human ratio is sorely <laughs> at the moment. So, so basically what I would say is like, we can, you can totally and completely teach your dog to be separate from you by not making it a big deal. I would agree. And, and I do that too. Um, one of the things is yeah, that I have found to be really useful is to, um, not necessarily like Clemmy will be asleep in her crate and I'll go upstairs to my office and I don't ask the dogs to come with me. You know, if they choose to come up, that's great. Clemmy has her chair. Zuzu has her pillow. Um, but I think, you know, when you've reached a success, when you can kind of look at your husband and you know the dog's not outside, but you're like, Where, where's the dog? So the dog is being comfortable being away from you. It's kind of, have you seen Clemmy? Are you sure she's not outside? That, that's a little bit of a problem because Clemmy is an escape artist. But um, more than that, it's like, yeah, I think she's in her crate. And it's nice to know that she's comfortable enough to be in a separate room from us and in her crate. Zuzu has this bone that she likes to suck on, because um, Zuzu, Zuzu. And it's funny, because right now it's in the hallway. And that's because last night she dragged it into the room where I was watching TV, and she laid there on it. And then this morning we dragged it into the hallway, and I'm sure this afternoon we will drag it into my office. So this big, I mean, this bone is like, Three and a three feet long, and it's just this huge thing. This dog, but I have to have it at times. So um, I think that that's something that's very comforting for her when I know that, that I have to be gone a lot, and I just make sure that she has access to her bone so that she can comfort herself with it. Right. So I guess I I so this is a true story from this morning. So this morning we're in bed sleeping in on a Saturday, blissfully forgetting that I have a podcast to record. And I hear barking outside. And it sounds, well, that sounds like Jack. And I turn to Christopher and say, did you leave Jack outside all night? And he's like, no, I distinctly remember putting him in his crate. No, no, Jack slept outside all night, which we have never done. Like, I do not leave dogs outside at night. But Jack has this funny thing he does where the bedtime routine, he stays on the deck because he doesn't want to go in his crate until Chris puts everybody else away. And then you have to invite Jack in, kind of proving to him that he's not going in his crate. And then he goes and sleeps in the living room. Well, apparently Christopher was overtired enough last night that that last bit got missed. Now, Jack thinks this is hysterical. He is not distressed at all about having slept outside. He thinks he pulled one over on daddy. 
we will probably spend the next eight months convincing him not to sleep outside overnight. Um, but it like, sadly, it's a little bit of like, he wasn't distressed. He thought it was funny. If you ask Jack, he probably tells you he camped. He went camping. That's probably what Jack thinks. He thought it was hysterical that he was out there this morning. I was like, you're not in the house. He's like, I know, I know. I slept outside. I'm like, okay, you are a funny dog, but Maybe we have taken the not paying attention to a new level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, there is a balance. There is a balance. You, you there was of... not alcohol involved. We were just tired. We're just that damn tired, right? Oh, I, I understand but... that completely because there's been times I'm like, we'll, we'll go to bed. Like I have to, all I have to do is say to Zuzi, Zuzi, bedtime, and she'll run into our bedroom and lay down on her bed. Um, and Clementine. She'll come and she'll look at the bed and then she'll talk to me a little bit. And then maybe she'll get on the bed and maybe she'll get off the bed. She does her thing. But it's funny because it's um, every once in a while it's kind of like, wait a minute, we're going to bed. Where, where are the dogs? It, are, are they, are they, <laughs> it's like, I know that we have two of them and they should be here somewhere. So, um, yeah. It, well, sometimes I'm, I think they're like, no, it's Friday. We're staying up. Right. I'm pretty sure Jack thought this was a grand adventure, right? Because that is how Jack rolls. Um, and to his credit, so he was smart enough to be quiet all night, right? Because if he had been out there barking, he would have, I, I would have woken up and been like, your butt is coming in the house because we don't, you're not going to bark outside all night. That's insane. Nobody likes that um, except Jack. So I think, you know, this. Part of it is I think it's easier in our home because we have other dogs. So they're not really alone alone, right? They have they have buddies. Um, that does not mean that I'm telling you if your dog has separation anxiety to get another dog. That's actually not. It's clinically shown that that does not help. So please don't get your anxious separation anxiety dog another dog because that's the bad plan. Um, and and obviously on this podcast, we are not talking about separation anxiety. There are great programs for separation anxiety. I am just, we are just talking about your dog has to be able to let you take your child to the bus or to go to the mailbox. So I think what we're trying to say here is that for the peace of mind, for your peace of mind, and for your dog's peace of mind, it's important for them to understand that the world is not going to end if they are not attached to you. That life will go on, things are okay, I'm okay, life is good, even if my, it's better if my person's here, but it's not bad when he or she is not here. So honestly, for a lot of dogs, we're annoying. They're tired. They want to be left alone, right? Like, there, I see dogs all day long that their owners put their hands on them, and the dog is like, I really wish you could tell her to stop doing that. Like, I was just laying here sleeping. I want to be left alone. Um, I have I have someone who called me who twice now her dog has bitten her in the face because the dog was asleep on the bed, and she decided that that beautiful sleeping, resting, by-herself dog needed kisses on her nose and the dog has twice now done damage to her face. I'm like, they don't, while they enjoy being with us, do not bother. Like we need to stop bothering them. And we also need not build problems where there aren't problems. I, I don't want to, I'm not cavalier about separation anxiety. 
because it sucks when it happens. But I would also say I don't I'm not going to adjust my whole world to never to always have someone with the dog. Right. Like it's not going to be I don't want to create separation anxiety. And I think we do sometimes. I would agree. I would agree. I think, you know, we bring home the puppy and we immediately shove them in a crate in the garage and they caterwaul for 10 days until they get, quote, good at it is, yeah, you just built separation anxiety. That That's what you did, right? We didn't, We that's not great training. That's, I don't know, terrifying a puppy. So, but I do think it's really, really important for the dog to learn that you can be in the kitchen and they can be in the living room and the world's not going to come to an end. I agree. And that is the beginning. So if you, if your dog gets worried, if you go to the bathroom and they're on the other side of the bathroom door, we probably need to get you some resources, but I would also start like, go back to your crate training, go back to, you know, teaching them to be in an exercise pen, do some enrichment with that, but not big deal enrichment. And start teaching that dog how to be a little bit separate from you. Because I don't want them to be panicked because all of a sudden come fall. Like you have the summer, hopefully, with your kiddos to get this done. That come fall, your dog should be able to almost have a regular work day or school day separate from you. And that might mean that you have to go, you know, work at your local coffee shop for a couple hours a day on your laptop that's okay. Right. Or go to the library. Most libraries are open now or go sit in the front yard while your dog is in the house or in the backyard, but start teaching them that little bit of separation so that you can ease them into a routine. That's more typical life, which at the beginning of the pandemic, we all said we wanted. And now I think we're all a little bit resistant to. (laughs) Yes. I think we're all kind of enjoying the, the, uh, pajama area, pajama style lifestyle. Um, but I do think that, that you're right. That we need, our dogs need to understand that being separate from us is okay. And I think if you're concerned and this is uncomfortable for you, uh, to start doing this, then uh, get the help of a positive reinforcement trainer who can guide you through this. But if it's uncomfortable for you, then start with baby steps, start with, you know, just, Leaving your dog, like for example, I have a gate across my office door, so if I want to leave the dogs in the office, all I do is I close the gate, I go do my thing, and come back. So I think that that for some for some people, I think it's really uncomfortable the idea of of doing this. Then we have to work with their comfort level too. So let's start with baby steps. Let's start with little things, right. and then like, as you start having success then start expanding the yes. time that you spend away from so, your dog. So it can start as easily as at a quiet, at, at dinner time, put the dog on a leash and tie them to the heavy chair on, in the next space where they can see you, but they can't touch you. Like sometimes that's where I have to start with a family. I, I get a lot of families that all during pregnancy, the dog is laying on mom. And then all of a sudden mom's a little bit nervous that we have an infant. trying to teach people how to do this separation can be really hard because we want to be with them too. I mean, in many cases, relationship with our dogs is easier than our relationship with our children. It doesn't mean that it has more value. It just means like, like kids, spouses, other humans, we're annoying. We're kind of a gross species. 
So sometimes our, we like being with the dog. It's, it's less expensive for us sometimes. So we want to be with them as much as they want to be with us. Right. Yes. And I, I like the idea of expense because, you know, evolutionarily, when you're talking expenditures, you're talking like energy expenditures. So, for example, like with bees, when they're gathering pollen, they have to make this decision. I don't think they're making conscious decisions about the energy expenditure for the amount of pollen that they carry back to the hive. You know, how far am I going to range to get pollen to carry back to the hive because the energy expenditure of carrying all this pollen back has to be weighed against the amount of pollen that I bring. And so I think that we unconsciously, perhaps, do this kind of energy evaluation. You're right. Sometimes it's like, um, I was saying, I I wrote a a letter to a a friend of mine several years ago, and um, she, um, her fiancé was upset because she liked to spend time alone with her dog. And I said, I get that. You know, there, um, I love Brad. You know, he's, um, I've been married to him for 40 years and, um, he's my soulmate, but my dog, sometimes I just, I don't really want to take a walk with you. I want to take a walk with Zuzu because I just need the freedom to breathe and not to have to talk and just to, to, to be with somebody who wants to just be with me. And there's no reflection on you. In fact, sometimes I find that after I've had some quality time with my dog, I'm much better prepared to have quality time with people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But also, too, your dog needs to understand is that even with quality time with my peoples, I need to learn how to be alone without my peoples. Right. So I want, I just want a well-balanced relationship. Like I want my child to be able to go play with other kids and to go do things with grandma and grandpa and with neighbors and trusted adults without me, because one day they're going to be without me. So, right. Uh, but it's also true, right. That the mamas sometimes struggle or dads struggle with that too. Like, Oh, I can't believe he's going on his first camp and what am I going to do without him? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I love you. Like the goal is that we have, an adult who can be separate from you and interdependent and off creating their own family. Right. So I think of, sometimes I think of it as it's, it's a similar thing. Dogs journey with us and our companions. I think we owe them being prepared for the times that they're going to be separate from us. And it might start with the dog is on a leash laying next to you, but can't touch you. They're two inches away from being able to touch you. And then over the, as the dog relaxes and settles out while you're, you know, listening to old gods of Appalachia or you're binging the office or whatever, scoot your fanny over another two inches. You can take this beautifully, slowly and gradually that it's not even really a thing. If you need to, if you need to. And that can be for you and it can be for your dog. And then also understand that, and Julie and I were talking about this while I was trying to manage a dog to get ready for the podcast. Um, We have a dog who lives with us who's 10. He was given to us last year. Apparently I was bad in a previous life. He's lovely. He's a lovely little dog, but he has, he spent 10 years learning completely inappropriate things, like all things that are counterproductive to our life. And so, for example, he has learned that screaming like he's being murdered 
is really difficult for people to ignore, even when it's just he's peckish and would like a snack. And he's relentless. He'll scream for hours. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Right. Right. Because that was reinforced that when right. I scream for hours, eventually something. So the longer I scream and the louder and the more intense, the, the more I get what I want. Right. And so that stuff, that kind of stuff is really hard to fix because it is I, like, okay, if I go, even if I go to him to fuss at him, right? Like, even if I'm like, stop it, he's still like score. Right, because it's an interaction. What he's doing by all this fussing is he's asking for interaction with you. And so every time that you show up and say, stop that, it's like, yes, thank you. You interacted with me. Also, this dog can scream for days. So there is no amount of, like, you can't wait it out either. So it's just, it's a mess. Right now, this dog does not have separation anxiety. It is not separation anxiety. This is just negative attention seeking. However, Holy guacamole. You want to talk about something that negatively impacts your quality of life? And by the way, the quality of life of the other dogs in the household? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have yet to find a strategy that consistently works. Uh, he's very clever. Oh, he, no, he's too smart by half. So if, if you figure out a strategy that works twice in a row, the third time it won't work. Or for goodness sakes, if you push it to three times, then that becomes part of the new routine. Everything uh. is routine with him. And he attaches meaning to it all. So uh, it's Saturday morning. I don't have a bra on. I haven't had coffee yet. I do not want to have to find ways to amuse this stupid dog so that he doesn't scream through a podcast. Like, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. So it can be... That when we don't prepare dogs to have a lot of arrows on their flowcharts and flexibility in their systems, that we build stuff we have no intention of building. That right, we, and we would we, we pay for it for the life of the dog. Yes. And by the way, he's not actually distressed. If he was really distressed, it'd be I'd have a whole different energy about it. I'd be like, oh my goodness, you poor dog. He's not distressed. He's wagging his tail laughing. He's just turning my brain to jujubes by screaming in my head, right? And he's just learned, more, like the human who learns more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure gets you what you want, the bully, this little adorable, sweet, hysterical dog who I love is bully behaviorally. So, um, and not bully in the like bull terrier kind of way. He, right. he just singularly wants what he wants and will make you profoundly uncomfortable until you give in. Right. And so what we're saying is that unless you want to live with something like this, right, for the lifetime of your dog, then you need to begin to prepare the dog to accept that there's a certain level of frustration in life and it's okay to be alone. I think that one of the things that, that it's really important to teach our kids is that frustration is not necessarily a bad thing because you're going to experience it. So how are you going to manage it in an effective way? Same thing with their dogs. When you were talking about preparing you know, your kids to go off, it reminded me of something I read somewhere, or one of my daughters said to me once, or something about the idea that for mothers especially, and, and I think for dads too, but especially for mothers, 
The process of raising your children, it's grieving from the moment they're born. Because from the instant they're born, they're walking away from you. They're, they're growing up to leave. And so every milestone that they have, which is wonderful, like watching, um, we watched Grace this, in this last year, learn how, or the year and a half, anyway, to learn how to get on her bike and pedal it and go. And this, I could watch the, the pride and the agony on my daughter's face as she realized Grace had taken yet another step away from her. But on the other hand, it's also important for, for Grace to, to, to build her confidence and to do these things. So I think that when we think about that with our dogs, is that why we get them to be our companions and we get them to be, you know, our comfort. We also have to give them, if we want them to do that, then we also have to give them the skills to handle frustration and to be confident and comfortable in their skin. If they can be confident and comfortable in their skin and with the way their life flows, then they're going to be there for us even more as that companion that we look for them to be. So unless you want to live Tina's life with a, <laughs> with a screaming dog, right, you need to understand that you're actually doing them and yourself a favor because the last thing we want you to do is resent your dog because you can't right. and, and to be clear, like I, I adore him and he's crazy smart and he teaches me things all the time. What I would say is he's a really good example of how some people do it that the only time they really used enrichment was to trick him. So, uh, so uh. he totally, so he's suspicious of anything you do. So what I would say, and, and the reason I was telling that story, other than the fact that it's kind of excruciating to live with is that, and to attempt to fix, right? This is a nearly 11 year old dog. I'm not going to convince him. Like some of this stuff is just built in at this point. So the, don't don't make it the only time your dog gets a pill pocket is when they're getting clavamox right and don't make it right if the if the only time your dog ever gets a pill pocket there's a roofie in it they will be on to you they will be on to you if Instead, it should look a little like this, tiny bit of pill pocket, tiny bit of pill pocket, tiny bit of pill pocket, tiny bit of pill pocket with a clava box in it, pill pocket, pill pocket, pill pocket. So that the dog swallows before they even go, did you just roofie me? Um, <laughs> the same with, like, if I'm going to do everybody, if I do, if my delivery is good, my coffee ratio is coming up, then everybody <laughs> But, like, that's what we do. We're like, oh, here's the pill pocket that has the noxious, nasty thing that's going to give you an upset stomach. Take that treat. Like our dogs can't smell that coming a mile away. Right. Well, the other thing is, as I tell people, is don't just give your – a couple of things. You don't want your dog to feel like every time I hear through a dog's ear music, that means you're leaving me. Or um, every time – you, um, you give me a Kong, it means you're going out the door. Right. What we want to do is we want enrichment and we want these things to become part of their life. Yes. So that the through a dog's ear music actually becomes relaxing for the dog as yes. opposed to a cue that I should be amping right. up into anxiety. Right. So my dogs get, um, it's really rather random, the reinforcement rates. Like, for example, Clenny is out at the cottage, our cottage with my husband. And um, so I sent a marrow bone for her. Zuzi 
doesn't chew miracles. Zuzi buries them in any place that's as inappropriate as she can find. So I stopped giving her marabones because I, I was tired of stepping on them in you know various places or my roses being upended because that was apparently exactly where you needed to bury the marabones under the brand new rose bush. But Clemmy, on the other hand, settles in and chews. And my husband is working on, um, he's got two major articles to write this summer, so I'm like, give Clemmy a marabone. While you're there, she'll settle on the bed behind you and chew this marabone around the deck you can get some real work done without her bugging you. Right. And without, without her feeling the pressure of Zuzu going, I think you should bury that. I think you should bury that. I think you should bury that. Right. So I talked with a young family in L.A. about this um, yesterday, actually. Right. They have doula coming in for their infant, two doulas, um, a couple of, couple of nights a week so that they get some rest. I think that's actually a really beautiful gift that they're given themselves. Um, and, and the whole household and they have two young Frenchies. So, um, the Frenchies were, they got them during the pandemic. The, the dogs have a little bit of litter mate syndrome going on. This family didn't know that that was a thing. Um, they've done a bunch of training. They've done a really great job, but there's a little bit of, there's a lag, right? It's, uh Oh, the doula who doesn't, who's afraid of dogs is coming in and the dogs are, you know, barking and carrying on and freaking her out and being reinforced by freaking her out. And then that's freaking mom and dad out. And it's kind of a hot mess. And so we talked a lot about, you know, okay, included in your dog's caloric intake every day should be a couple of times that they get something that's enriching in their crate just because. So just what you were talking about, put the music on at any given time, randomly during the day, you're going to go in your crate and you're going to, you know, have your licky mat that has low sodium chicken broth and blueberries or whatever, whatever you're doing on a licky mat. Right. But they're going to get that a few times a day. We can do that low calorie um, and enriching so that it happens before the doula comes in. So that we're classically conditioning. The doula is not that big a deal. Like, oh my goodness, I have my super yummy licky mat that I love. Um, But also that we have a plan ahead of time. So we're not always behind, right? We don't want the licky mat to mean be on high alert because somebody's coming over. And I think especially families with, you know, I remember having kiddos like, it was really hard, and I just finally took the day and reorganized how our day went so that I was ahead of everything instead of behind everything. And I think that that reset I probably did every couple, three weeks to come up with a new program that that I felt like then there was enough of me, right? That the dogs had a routine that worked for them, and the kids had a routine that worked for them, and I didn't feel like I was constantly upended and, you know, behind the ball on everything that was happening so that I could anticipate stressors and we could float through those. And I had a good plan. I think that that's really important. I was just thinking there's um, we'll, we'll put this on the website as well. Uh, Family pause has a, a handout that has five levels of supervision. And the two that I act that I try to get parents to remain in is the active and proactive. And so that what you're doing is you are doing that. You're making some plans so that when things start 
to go south, you have an idea about how to correct that path and that you're, you're not just constantly reacting to the situation because constantly reacting to a situation is exhausting for everybody. And it can also lead to just like, oh my, just sort of, you know, getting really frazzled or not knowing what to do. Whereas if you've got a plan in place, when you're proactive or you're actively supervising the situation, it builds, um, I think, comfort for you. You feel like, okay, I've got a handle on this. But it also makes things a lot easier for whoever is being actively or proactively supervised. And so make it easier for your dog to, if you've got, okay, I can handle this. I know what to do. Things are starting to go south. We're just going to do this. And it, I think then it would also make it a lot easier for your dog, if necessary, to be separate from you because you're not coming at them in a panic mode. Right. So, so I would say yes, right? Yes to all of that. But also, if the moment your dog finishes the bully stick and goes eep, you panic and let them out of the crate, that's also, like, that is an error, <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's right. That's a forced error. You can't just. So your kids are going to be frustrated sometimes and they have to learn how to resolve that. Your dogs are going to be frustrated sometimes and we want to give them ways to learn how to resolve that safely and kindly. But all learning is stressful. It just is. And I think we sometimes, again, I think Mr. taught his face like they. So they had two different ways of dealing with it. The what the husband was very, very kind and just like loves his dog, right? Like he the dog would weigh, you know, it's a 12-pound Jack Russell Terrier who would weigh 40 pounds if dad had his way, because he just loves him. And if if Mr. says, Hey, I want something, Craig was joyful to give it to him. The mom in the household did not find Mr. funny. She found him naughty. And she thought and probably had experienced in her life that dogs getting punished for doing things that were inappropriate would also be a win. And so there there wasn't a lot of agreement on how to handle things and they didn't prevent anything. And I'm all about like, can we prevent it? So from the minute that Mr. moved into our home, if he looked at the trash can, I was like, don't even think about it. He doesn't get to put his nose in the trash can because this is a huge resource garter who, if you try to take something dangerous away from him, he will be dangerous with you. Now, we're also working on out and drop and leave it and all of those things. And that's all great. But it will take the rest of his life to dig out of 10 years of practice the wrong way. Right. And you also have to, you have to manage a situation while you're teaching your behavior. Right. You can't just suddenly demand that you don't resource guard. Right. right. So right. you need to prevent that from happening. Um, Clemmy gets a little resource guarded with Zuzu. And so that's one reason why I sent the marrow bone with her, with Brad, because it's not that's she, a, an appropriate place for her to enjoy it without her sister right. bothering her. Right. Or her thinking her sister's bothering her. Right. And so that's an, a good example of that might be an excellent tool for when you want Clemmy to be in her crate and maybe Zuzu's out loose in the house. Yeah. Right. And you're like, you know what, knucklehead, you're going to go and enjoy. So I think sometimes people are like, oh, I'm going to give him a Kong or I'm going to give him a topple or I'm going to give him a bully stick. Well, those don't last super long for most dogs. They just don't. And so 
what happens when the dog falters from that enrichment? So our dogs, for example, while they occasionally get really high value stuff in their crate, most of the time they have a Nyla bone or a water buffalo horn in their crate. So if they finish the Kong and then they're frustrated, like, oh, I'm in this crate and mom's off teaching a class, they have an outlet that is less of a finite resource. So they can be frustrated and chew on their water buffalo horn and satisfy that frustration and probably mutter into it that they're pretending it's my femur. And that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, again, like, I see lots of families who are like, okay, I have to give the dog a bully stick because they're, they're finishing the bully stick. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, he'll finish the bully stick, he'll squawk for a couple of minutes, and then he'll go to sleep. Like, just let him sort it out. So there's a little bit of um, let them be a little bit frustrated. And, and again, like, don't just do food scatters in the backyard when you're going to abandon your dog in the backyard by themselves for three hours. It, I pretty regularly grab Mr.'s food, food scatter it out in the yard while I'm poop scooping the yard. That is all behavioral money in the bank so that one day when I want to have a massage, I can do a food scatter in the backyard and come in the house and Mr. doesn't care. Because he's he knows food scatters in the backyard are super fun and he enjoys those. So it's it's not a bait and switch. And I think a lot of people want to make it transactional and make it a bait and switch. And that will get you a dog like Mr., not a dog who just settles into the routine. Right. So I think that basically what we're saying here is that um, we need to teach our dogs to learn to be separate from us because at some point in their life, they're going to have to be separate from us. And we want that to not be an anxiety-inducing situation for them or for us. So if you need to, start slow. If this is really hard for you to do, then build successes for each of you small. You know, those little successes will build into something bigger. So think of creative ways in which your dog can be even just two inches away from you and comfortable. And then vary the time that you're gone so the dog doesn't have, okay, she's gone, she goes, oh, she leaves me for precisely 15 minutes. Now we want them to understand that the, the time can be a little bit smooshy. And also, too, think about ways in which, as you said, sort of build behavior, put in, in the behavior bank. So have the, the kibble skittle uh, scatter in the yard while you're pooper scooping so that when you do it later and you go in the house, it's not a big deal. So because in that way, because he's not right on top of you, he's sniffling around in the yard, so he's separate from you in that sense. So what we, we're saying here is that it will pay in the long run for both of you to have a dog who can be comfortable away from you because then when the time you have together is going to be probably more beneficial and more mutually beneficial or, or mutually satisfying because you can, you can be together without it being sort of a necessity. And I think when we can be together because we want to be together, that's probably an improvement. So... Anything else you would like to summarize with, Tina? Well, just set goals for yourself. So we talked about 10 minutes a day on a previous podcast. Think in terms of, okay, for 
wherever you're beginning, whether it's the dog who lays at your feet that you're going to move them one piece of furniture over, or whether it's the dog who is crate trained for overnight, but you're not using a crate during the day, just think of what for 10 minutes a day, what is your next layer of a little bit of separation? So, um, if you're going to use something like a Kong to do this work or a bully stick, and let's say you're using a crate, I might put the dog in the crate, give them the bully stick, hang out where they can see you, and then go outside, grab the mail, and read and sort your mail in the front yard before you come back in. Let the dog yes. settle out, and then let the dog out of the crate. And then, you know, next week, add an, or tomorrow, add another 10 minutes somewhere else in the day. So that you're just starting to build in flexibility that, you know, that that your dog can have some separation from you and just not. And don't you act like it's a big deal. Right. Really rest in. Dogs sleep a lot and they're, generally speaking, perfectly happy to take a nap. Your dog hopefully separates from you some already, like goes to the bedroom and lays on the bed or goes and lays behind the corner of the couch. If they don't, then we're going to start building that in a little bit so that as we move toward a more typical lifestyle, it's probably not going to be exactly the same, but it'll be somewhat similar. The dog is able to do that and not be terribly distressed. Right. I think the other reason why it's important for your dog to learn to be separate from you is for the dog's sake, in case something happens and the dog has to be uh, confined crate confined, whether, you know, if they're they're recovering from an injury or surgery or something like that, if they have to be in their crate or they have to be confined to a small area in order to recover, then it's important for them to understand how to be alone and not get stressed so they don't hurt themselves when they're trying to recover from an illness or a surgery or something like that. So it could be that it's in your dog's best interest to do this in the event that something, we, we want to plan for the unexpected even if hopefully the unexpected doesn't come. So with that, thank you so much for being, for listening to Your Family Dog. If you like us and you enjoy this podcast, please like us on social media and refer us to your friends. That's how we get to know other people. Give us a five-star review and we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.